0: When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. What is the briefing room? It's a behind the scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right. And we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you small-town dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com
2: Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini soda we digging into things that we've been watching and I believe reading recently. I am Terry.
1: And I'm um, Mary Beth. Sorry. And I loved it. I love the flourish, the dramatic flourish it was very good. <laughs> um, but I'm Mary Beth, and we're chatting this week about Dracula on a boat, an outlandish Taiwanese ghost story, a creepy possession story, a scary, sexy, cool Kyle Gallner, and bizarre anime.
2: Bizarre anime. I am very curious about that one because I think it's probably what you tweeted about. Oh yeah, it looks wild. Um, But let's let's start with something a little bit more normal than that. Let's talk about Dracula on a boat.
1: (laughs) So Dracula on a boat. Dracula wet and loving it. Dracula. Dracula wet and
2: loving it.
1: Ah! I someone said I. That's from the internet. That's not original. I cannot claim responsibility for that one. But I find it hysterical. That is the best title. That is, I think Devon Taylor might have actually tweeted that, but I'm not sure. That is
2: amazing. I know.
1: Um, But (laughs) The Last Voyage of the Demeter, I meant to talk about this last week and I did not, so I'm talking about it this week because I think it's pretty good. I do not think it is an amazing movie, um, Mm -hmm. but I actually, I enjoyed it. Did you see it?
2: No, I have not. I wanted to see it, but then I played Baldur's Gate.
1: (laughs) What? You? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, so, last point to the Demeter, it is it is based, based on the captain's log excerpt from Bram Stoker's Dracula about the crew of the Demeter who are all picked off one by one by Dracula uh, on a boat going to England. And so, like, it's it's hard for this movie because we know, like, we this is, like, a section of a famous novel. So, like, we all know what's going to happen. So I applaud I applaud trying to do that though, because it is a really cool standalone story. It's a it, it's a gothic it's a gothic haunted house monster story on a boat instead of in a house. And like in that regard, I really enjoyed it. Javier Botet is Dracula and he's really fucking good as like a Nosferatu like creature. It's not like a guy, it's a gross bat creature. The problem I think comes from tonal issues for me where like it wants to be this super gory action movie but then it also wants to be a slow gothic horror and it doesn't hit that balance consistently and I think that's where it struggles and I don't necessarily like it's not a bad tone but I feel like it feels like there was a lot of push and pull about how restrained versus how gory to be and I don't really understand, like, who wanted it more one way or the other, but I just know that it felt like it really wanted to be this, like, cool actiony thing, but also very gothic, and it didn't know how the screenplay just, like, didn't meld all of the things together perfectly. I still had a really good time with it, but I think because it's so goth, it's, like, got the Crimson Peak problem. Like, it's so gothic, people don't gravitate towards that, really. Like, yeah. People just don't, which is a bummer because I think like Andre Overdahl is an incredible director. You know, he did Troll Hunter, Autopsy of Jane Doe, yep. uh, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. Like he's really talented, and you see his talent here. Like there's no denying he's a good director. Like it's beautifully shot. Like the boat feels both like claustrophobic and really like vast. There's some really good set pieces. It's really mean. So, like, it's trying, but there's just something about it that feels so held back and, like, sanitized in a way that is, like... Uh. It 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 feels very much like a studio film in that regard. Like, I don't know. it's It felt like it was almost something, like, really cool, but they had to hold back a little bit. Gotcha. For, like, marketability, I guess. And I think that hurt it. And that, I mean, like, I just think... It could have been way grosser and way less, like, gothic mystery on a boat. Because we all fucking knew it was Dracula. So, like, why why try to make it as deep of a mystery as it tries to? I don't know. Like, I think it's just, it's it's cursed by its source material. And I think yeah. they did a really good job with what they had. I just think it's hard to do that. Like, with what with what this is, an excerpt of a book... Like, gets
2: weird. Right. It, well it's an excerpt of a book and it's it's playing with a mystery that the viewers know, right? So like we're we're ahead of the people on the boat. We're like, okay, we know it's a vampire, but I'm I'm guessing from what I've seen of like the critiques, it's like we're miles ahead of the people on the boat and so that sort of like creates this weird narrative dissonance with like, we're just yeah. like, come on, get to it. You got to realize this is a vampire. So I can understand that. But also at the same time, it's like, I want, when when it was described as like alien on a boat, I'm like, that sounds perfect. Let's, I want to watch And
1: that. see, the thing is like, it kills, it kills at that like, ha ha ha, literally like there's some really good stalking sequences on the boat deck. And like the way they use such a small space is really smart. Like they use the single location of the boat really well too. So I think that like t- on a technical level, it's really effective. I just think the scripts just like, I think it's a really hard thing to adapt for what it is and what people already know about it. So but like again, it like, have been if two you hours long?: I think it, it definitely could have been shorter. Like, it definitely feels like they could have truncated a lot of, like, the mystery. What is it? To more of, like, fighting the vampire. Because the action pieces are really good. I just think they try too hard to make it this mystery when you're like, we already know the answer. Like, I don't think. Right. You've shown us in the trailer. We know it's based on Dracula. We know Dracula lives to get to shore. So, like, it's really hard. Like, no wonder it was in development hell for so long. Yeah. But, again, like. Despite that, I still think it's really well done. I think the acting is really good. I think, like, Corey Hawkins is awesome as the lead. Dustin, uh, David Desmalchian always is great with his weird Russian accent. Like, I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a good, entertaining, like, weird, like, horror mystery. Yeah, it's a little slow, but, like i don't think i think people are giving it like a really hard time and i don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say i don't think it's like good i think it is like the perfect definition of an okay summer movie and like that's not a bad thing no i just i I want to watch it
2: i'm excited to see it
1: i just think maybe dracula is not a thing anymore you know like i'm sorry to say it I i love dracula I love Dracula, but, like, Renfield, they have to commit. Like, you have to go full sex. We gotta go full 1990 to, vamp, like, Bram Stoker Dracula or Bust. You know what I mean? Like, that set the bar so high. Like, you gotta just commit. You can't – like, and I liked Renfield. I thought Renfield was fun. I thought it was a good, entertaining, weird-ass thing. But I really think we gotta go full sex or full monster. And that's why I like Demeter, because at least Demeter goes full monster. I want – A new full sex vampire movie. Like, Dracula, like, horny and loving it shit. Dracula, horny and loving it. Like, if we're going to keep doing Dracula, (laughs) like, let's, like, just go full sex. I mean, but that's just me. We all know what I like in my horror movies. Not all the time. Same. But sometimes. Like, come on. Anyway, so that's the Last to the Demeter. If you're into cool gothic stuff and like gross vampires, you'll have a great time with this. If you love nasty vampires, you'll really love this. Um, so yeah, give it a try in the theaters if you want. I think it's a it's a good... I hadn't watched it in theaters, and I wish I had. It's definitely a good theatrical experience. So go give it a try and keep help us make sure Andre Ovidal keeps getting good movies and that one day he'll get a really good bloody movie that he can, like, really show off with um, uh, on, I don't even know if it's related, but an outlandish Taiwanese ghost story, very excited for whatever this is about to be. So I contemplated
2: whether to talk about this one or not, cause I'm not hundred percent sure how I feel about it. <laughs> okay. Um, but also otherwise you would hear me waxing poetic about Baldur's Gate 3 again, because literally that and the other movie I have to bring is all I have done
1: literally since it came out.
2: (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) You would get all weird anecdotes that have no connection to anything that people would understand unless you're playing the game because it's a wild one. So I found this movie because I believe it was Rocco Thompson who um, writes, uh, who works for um, Rue Morgue on Twitter He posted a video of something, and I was like, ooh, this looks interesting. And it is a Taiwanese movie about a homophobic straight guy, police officer, who ends up getting ghost married to a gay guy. And the movie is called Marry My Dead Body, and it's on Netflix. I think it's because of how much, like progressive queer movies I have seen over the last like 20 odd years that it feels very regressive in what it's doing. But I also realized that I don't think I am the audience for this movie. And so it is about this, um, the the first, the opening movie, the opening of the movie, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to like this because it's, it was very homoerotic. It was, it was in a gym and guys are working out and checking each other out one guy is like nodding to another guy and they follow he follows him into the shower where it's turned out that the guy is a cop and
1: oh okay was he trying to like lurk was he trying to like trick him into gay sex like, get like publics
2: <sighs> yep and I so the
1: japanese sexuality is such a weird thing anyway continue i'm sorry <laughs>
2: yeah so so this happens and then he is heard calling him gay guy and being like homophobic and so then that becomes an issue and he kind of gets a little bit he gets in trouble for it on the the police force and then he's on like a drug deal where the drug dealer has like dumped his stuff and he is sent to go pick up it and one of the things he picks up is a red envelope and the red envelope is um basically like a marriage proposal that he has to now take for this um gay ghost that his grandma who's very progressive wanted him to be married and he was planning on it in life before his life was tragically cut short and so now (laughs) this homophobic police officer is ghost married which is a real thing by the way ghost married to this gay guy so and i i had to google this in taiwanese culture there is this and it's a little problematic in spots because there have been like some bad things that have happened from it but because of like wait he's not just ghost married to a gay man but the drug dealer was the gay oh no the the drug dealer was was not the gay man this unrelated (laughs) unrelated to but like he he picks up this letter thinking it was drugs that the drug dealer had dropped, but it was actually a letter. It's that not the drugs. Grandma... It's your
1: new husband, motherfucker. <laughs> it's your new
2: husband. Yes, and okay, so yes, so he is now ghost married to this gay guy because his, because the gay guy's grandma wanted him to find a husband. And the first part of the movie is sort of like this cop trying desperately to not accept the fact that he is now married to a gay guy gay ghost and then it becomes like yeah gay ghost married kate absolutely and then it becomes like a police procedural where he's trying to solve the murder of the gay ghost so that the gay ghost can go be reincarnated and it's wild it's outlandish it's definitely not as queer as i was hoping it would be i was kind of hoping that there would be like a a turn where the gay guy or the straight man realizes that you know he isn't straight but again we're talking about a taiwanese movie and i feel like it's a very regressive type of thoughts on queer people over there i don't really know the politics but from everything that i've seen it's not necessarily as um openly discussed so i don't i feel like this movie has its heart in the right place i don't feel like i am the right audience and it's also very (laughs) melodramatic in spots Um, yeah
1: a lot of like taiwanese like chinese taiwanese like those kinds of um like mainstream movies are like very mellow or like there are a lot of the ones that aren't like action or can be like really melodramatic not all of the time but there's a there's definitely a genre of those and it sounds like you might have uh, fallen into
2: one yeah and it was like the movie is two hours and ten minutes long and boy the last 30 minutes I was like I thought the movie was almost over and I paused it and I was like oh my god there's 30 more minutes but I was invested and I had to see how it was gonna end um it's not a great movie I don't think again that I am the audience but I did want to throw it out there it's on Netflix it's a thing I watched
1: (laughs) cool awesome good great love that for you Wait, how yeah. did you, like, discover it? Did you just, like, see it on Netflix and you are like, might as well try no, it out? No, Rocco,
2: Rocco had shared Oh, Rocco a video. recommended
1: it. That's right.
2: Okay. Yeah. Rocco, sh- I, I believe that. it was Rocco, shared a video of um, basically the gay guy popping out from underneath the straight man's legs and being, hi, hubby, and then going, ooh, when he looks at his, his dick.
1: Ah, uh, cute. Okay. Cool.
2: And I was like, cool. oh, cool. what is this? I must watch this. And I wish there was more of that. But here we are. Anyway, that's Mary, my dead body. Wild ass name. Let's continue along with this trend. Not at all. Uh, a creepy possession story?
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I got Kindle Unlimited because there's a lot of really good like indie horror on Kindle Unlimited. And it's pretty cheap. And I've been reading a lot more recently, so I thought, fuck it, like, I'll try it out. There's a bunch of books on there that I want to read and try and try out. And this sounds like it'll be a good way to experience all those books. And one of the authors that I was really excited to start reading, who has a lot of books on Kindle Unlimited, her name is Ania um, Alborn, Alborn. Okay. And she's pretty prolific, but um, she's written books like Brother. um, uh, What are the other ones that aren't the one that I read? Come on, motherfucker! Load faster. I look like a dick. Um, yeah, brother. Uh, the bird eater, the neighbors, and uh, this book uh, I've read of hers uh, most recently is called Seed. And this is the first book of hers I've ever read, and so this okay. is like this is a Southern Gothic possession movie uh, movie pff, book, and I was quite interested. It's I've heard about it quite a lot about on like book talk and stuff about it being, like, super creepy and disturbing. It is not that disturbing, but maybe I'm broken. But it's still pretty creepy. It's the tale... um takes place in Louisiana. And this family, a father, mother, two younger daughters, um, get into a car accident. And after the car accident, they're all okay. But then the, the six-year-old daughter, Charlie, starts acting really weird. And... As you know, they're trying to understand what's going on with her. Jack starts remembering um, some, some starts remembering things from his past about like this happened to me when I was a kid, and I can't ever tell anyone about it because I'm not allowed to. Like whatever force is like around me can't won't let me. And basically, it's this like helpless story of a guy who dealt with his possession as a kid, watching his kid deal with possession, and him trying to pretend it's not happening, and trying to and like he he knows it's happening and he's like my family is going to be destroyed and he can't do anything about it and it's him basically like watching his family fall apart as he's just like cool like i don't know what to do to stop it because i my family couldn't stop it with me um so like it's pretty fucked up in that regard yeah and like it in some regards it's like a possession story so it's like it's you know there's scratching in the wall some of it I just got a little bit bored of because I get bored of possession stories it's like oh they're scratching in the walls the kids are getting kept awake like it's kind of like paint by the numbers in that area but then the, the when it's the dad thinking about his childhood and how it links to his daughters that's when it's really interesting like this kind of familial bond and like the passing down of possession as like a generational thing is really cool and and really fucked up because they they talk a little bit about how it might have happened, but there's really not a lot of explanation, which I love. Like, that's what I love in these kinds of, like, possession narratives. It's like, there's not some, like big moment of possession or trauma and there isn't like this epic battle between good and evil. It's kind of just like a family got picked. So it it has that kind of dark and the wicked vibe a little bit into it. It just okay. feels like these people got picked and like their lives are just getting absolutely fucked up by something because it wants to. And that's where it's really dark. And it, it doesn't fall into the like exorcism-y kind of thing. It, again, it does fall into the trope, like kind of some similar tropes of like, She throws up, she's a little bitch to her sister, but there's moments when it feels much darker than your typical possession story. So I really liked it. Especially if you like those kinds of stories even more, you'll really enjoy it. Um, It definitely, the ending is pretty dark, and I liked it for the most part. I think, just again, I'm not the biggest religious religious horror person, but again... Same. Alborn tries to kind of not make it as religious and more just like something is fucking with this family rather than it being like a good versus evil, God versus the devil kind of thing. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's Seed, if you are so interested. By who again? Uh, Aenea Allborn. Okay so and it was a pretty quick read most of her books are under 200 pages and they're really good and they're like that was one that i read in like two days because i was like so compelled by i didn't realize how much of it i had read um so yeah yeah so this is like not at all exact like this is again swinging in another direction with sexy scary cool kyle Gallner. and i think i know what this is but tell me more
2: yeah i know you've seen this um And I had been really excited to watch it, and it came out on VOD um, last week, last Tuesday, I believe. And I had wanted to watch it last week, and then Baldur's Gate happened. So I finally sat down and watched Carter Smith, friend of the show, um, former guest of the show, one of my favorite people, I love him, Um, directed this movie called The Passenger, which stars Kyle Gallner and Johnny Birchtold, who... You might rec- recognize from a bunch of, like, his social media videos. Um, I think he's big on TikTok. As he well. is. I did
1: not know that. Weird. Especially because the TikTok videos are, like, funny. And this movie is not funny. <laughs> no.
2: No, it's not. Um, although I did find some some dark darkly comedic There's... moments okay. in it. It's not. Yeah, but... It's definitely not a comedy. But it is about... Johnny Birchold plays um, a guy named Randy Bradley... Who everyone thinks his name is Bradley because his name tag says Bradley. And he works in this like burger joint with um, Benson, who's played by Kyle Gallner and a bunch of other kind of teenager dicks that are working there at a fast food place. And one day, um, Randy is having a bad day and the, his coworkers are treating him Really shitty. He's very quiet. He doesn't really stand up for himself. Benson goes out to his car, grabs a gun, comes inside, and starts shooting everybody. <laughs> and it was at this point where um, I was watching this with Cass. And if you follow me on if you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen me retweet my roommate's uh, response or retweet my roommate who was quoting me as saying. Boy, we really just are bags of blood because of the opening there's a lot of bloodletting in this, and as as Benson is dragging a body down, um, down a hallway and leaving like this horrible trail of goo, I was like, yeah, we really are just blood bags walking around. So this happens, and then uh, Randy becomes an unwitting passenger on Benson's journey through he realizes they have probably seven to eight hours before um, the police are going to start looking for people and it becomes sort of like a a joy ride i'm using that loosely it's like in a road, it's a road movie
1: it's like a, it's a buddy, buddy road, movie. road movie it's like a fucked up buddy road movie it's
2: really yeah good. i was blown away by it because i K- kyle plays a character that you're at once like i was attracted to him i was afraid of him. I was, like, empathetic towards him. He plays a very... There is a lot of layers going on in his performance. I think this is definitely a movie that shows his range as someone who can embody quite a different amount of emotions in someone that is from a small town who obviously has had a rough life and sees some of himself, maybe, in in Randy and it wants to... Break him free of probably The same kind of life that Benson has and you get that Kind of like feeling while at the same time He is an absolute sociopath And murdering a bunch of people And it's just it's I was god I was surprised By this movie
1: I was too I like I get goosebumps thinking About this movie because it's like this Really beautiful like indictment of Toxic masculinity but also a beautiful Story about male friendship and Like mentorship And it's just, like, all kind of fucked up, but it's beautiful at the same time. And, like, there's this beautiful balance between, like, villainy and empathy that I think, like, I don't think I've seen in a very long time in a movie. Like, you can tell that Benson is so fucked up and so sad and has only really ever been shown unkindness. And he's trying to show kindness in the way that he thinks kindness is supposed to be shown. And it's, like, this beautifully sad and heartbreaking look at two guys just, like, trying to figure out where they are in the world and, like, Benson trying to help Randy not become like him because he's doomed, but maybe he can help. It's just, like. It's so ugh. tragic
2: and sad and scary.
1: And, like, Carter found the script and, and like, said most of that was on the page. Like, the, um um, hold on a second. Jack, the Stanley writer, wrote it, who ja- also Jack Stanley wrote, wrote it. Yeah, so Jack Stanley wrote it and like he's and, you know, Carter said it was just like a beautiful script and like a lot of it was already there. So like shout out to Jack Stanley for writing like a devastatingly beautiful script. And then also like Johnny and Kyle just like taking that and just making the most like fascinating, complex male friendship. And like, while I wanted them to kiss, I'm glad they didn't. At the same time, you know. And I said this to Carter when I interviewed him. I'm like, I always want it to be gay, but I also appreciate keeping some of these things platonic, and showing that like it's not always repressed homoph like it's not always homophobia exactly. or like repressed homo like homosexuality mm-hmm. that leads people to be violent. Because I think like you could very easily fall into this like oh repressed homoph like repressed homosexuality is what drove Benson to be like this, and it's like. But this movie isn't trying to say that, which I love. It's just like, no, no, no. This guy just like has had a fuck ton of trauma and like the world has failed him. And this is what happens. Like, I also think it's in a great movie about how the patriarchy fucks everybody up too. You know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's like not subtle and subtle if at the same time, like it's not saying that, but when you're watching it and like, you kind of think about that where this fits into like discussions of people in the world it is so fascinating about how it fits into what happens to boys that are like boys who are treated like you have to be this particular way and if you're not like you're fucked and like it's just it's beautiful it's fucked but it's beautiful it's wild i'm glad you you
2: said I'm glad you said that because I I too wanted them to kiss because there's definitely like some kind of, there's a tension there. But it also like, I was happy that it's like a a platonic, a fucked up platonic relationship, but a platonic relationship nonetheless between two men that as you said, digs into toxic masculinity, digs into these tropes that they've probably been um, raised with their entire lives. And Kyle in the most, Kyle's character Benson in the most violent way kind of breaking that cycle in in some fucked up yeah. sort of way it's it's I, so interesting
1: it's so and like you said like it's about break it's like it's showing how people can like it's a showing a different way of breaking the cycle that's not pretty and i do also love that it's about not like pretty. sometimes the world is fucked and cruel and like the, it may feel like the only way you can do that is just be cruel right back and like That's not, I'm not saying that's the right answer, but I think that's, like, part of this movie is, like, grappling with that. It's It's grappling with
2: very uncomfortable
1: questions. It is, and I love that, though. Like, it's not, and it's also not giving easy answers. I think it's showing that, like, there's no one cure. And this is, like, it's kind of, like, I don't think it's saying, like, compassion is the answer, but it is kind of showing, like, it's not as simple. Like, not all of this is as simple as, like, you're crazy, It's like a lot of other systemic things. And I love how it keeps a lot of things very vague, though, and never tries to blame one thing for what happens. It's never trying to point a finger at one trauma, which I love, too. It's not trying to just be like, this person was traumatized. Like, it's a lot of that. I'm not saying it's not. But I think it's, again, more nuanced than trying to just pin it on one bad thing that happened to a kid and more as like... Sometimes the systems just build and build and build. It's never, it's, you can't keep trying to pick one small thing to blame it all and to be the scapegoat. Like, you need to kind of see this as more a wider issue. And this movie is grappling with that in a really cool way that I just hope more people see. This is one of those movies that, like, it's on, it's on, like, MGM Plus and the Blumhouse thing. So it's on, it's also written
2: by. Yeah. Because I bought it. Um, so it it is out there on VOD to buy as well or rent.
1: Yeah, so I definitely would encourage. Like, it's a hard watch, but it's the year of Carter Smith. Hell yeah, year, it is. Here, year, year of queer horror continue. So it's just cool to see Carter continue to get work. Like, like he makes movies like Swallowed and then gets you know gets the Blumhouse bucks to it's make this, Blumhouse. but also. It was really cool because he said he found, he, like, he didn't like any of the scripts they brought him. So he went to Jack Stanley and like found the script and was like, this is what I want to make and convinced them to make it. He said it took a while to convince them, but he's glad that he did. And I'm glad he Hell did, yeah. too. It's one of those I, big too. risks, one of those big risk movies that I think like more studios need to take a chance on things like this and like agree treat their audiences with more as more intelligent. I think, anyway, I'm going to get on my soapbox about, like, how we don't treat, like, people like they're, like, intelligent enough to understand things like this. But, anyway, check it out. It's really yeah. fucking good. It if you watch really anything, if you watch anything this year, maybe you should watch The Passenger. <laughs> it's, like, one of my favorites it's of theory. the year so far. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Fuck it's, you, Carter. having weird. two of your movies on my top ten maybe this year, you fucking asshole. I know, that's asshole. what I was just going like, to say.
2: I was like, that's not fair. Taking up two spots safe. on my top ten list,
1: probably... <laughs> What do you and think you not, are, dude? And it's not just because we're <laughs> friends. Because I do actually sometimes go into things with a harder eye. No offense to anyone, but I just don't want. I like. I'm always like, hmm. I have to be tougher on them because I don't want them to think I'm just being nice as their friend. Well, but then they make yeah. really good movies, and you're like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? I mean, it's sort of like I had. I did have
2: some issues with the last. Th- like, I feel like it's it's grown on me a little bit more. But like, I did have some issues with the the um the last act of swallowed being a little campy like a jarring change of pace so like i'm not saying this because i like him and he's been on this on the show before and i think he's a wonderful human being i this movie just really spoke to me um yeah so go watch it the passenger
1: yes please
2: (laughs) speaking of um sexy cool kyle gallner bizarre anime
1: yeah, so we're going to end this one on a really bizarre <laughs> note. Um, I have started the new anime, Undead Murder Farce, on Crunchyroll, and it is a goddamn hoot and a half. I'm sorry,
2: say that again, undead. Murder farce. Murder farce, okay.
1: So it takes place in the 1800s, names. like, late 1800s in Japan, and this guy is half human, half oni, which is a Japanese demon, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he is, uh, he lives in a world where, like, Basically, he lives in a world where, like, all the gothic creatures are real. Like, vampires are real. Like, everything. It's, like, a gothic, like, wet dream, basically. Like, Sherlock Holmes is real. Fucking Dracula's real. It's, like, gothic out the wazoo. And so he is is contacted by a woman appears and she's holding something covered in a sheet. And there's, like, it it becomes unveiled that this is a servant of a woman who is just a, a severed head. And she has contacted this man, this this man-oni hybrid to help find the rest of her body. And what the show is, is it's basically, <laughs> like, basically, it's three, three little freaks solving gothic mysteries as they travel to Europe to figure out where her body is. And it's really good. Again, I've only watched a couple episodes, it's brand new, but like, It's so fun. It's so weird. Like, it seems so self-serious at first, and then, like, keeps going, and it's just, like, so bizarre, but I love it. It's, like the first mystery is like a family of vampires and they're trying to figure out who like killed the fa- like the mother vampire. And they're all like, who the fuck are these people? It's like, the guy is just like a fucking moron who just giggles to himself all the time. A decapitated head in a birdcage and then a maid <laughs> who has a gun wrapped in fabric who walks around with this giant gun wrapped in fabric. Like, it is the most anime-ass shit of my life uh-huh. and it is so good. It's really good.
2: So is it, it's is like, it like a- is it coming out weekly or yes. is the entire, mm-hmm. okay.
1: Yeah. It's coming out weekly. I, I think we're about like, we're, we're kind of behind. We started watching it a little bit after We usually stagger it. So we have more to like binge. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, this is the first season. I think there's like six episodes so
2: far. This sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It is. <laughs> it, it,
1: like I, as soon as I read what it was, I was like, oh, I am going to love everything about this. Yeah, okay, there's seven episodes out so far. But yeah, it's like, you're gothic, it's gothic anime. It's like, anime folklore meets gothic, like, British gothic literature. Which is, like, everything I've ever wanted, plus, like, that... a wise-talking, kind of hot anime boy. And, like, a sultry, decapitated head in a cage. It rules.
2: You're speaking my language. <laughs> I, you know, I've I'm I've, I've seen a few anime, but I have not like dove completely in and yet, the more you talk about it, the more I want to, I want to explore it more. It's on Crunchyroll? Is that what you it's said? It's on
1: Crunchyroll. And this is the thing, anime, there are all different kinds. And it's just, it it's, it just has, I feel like anime has so often a permission to just go like balls to the wall in so many different ways. And you watch it, and you're like, yeah, that's that's anime for you. And then you talk about it, and you're like, oh, I forget that people are not used to just, like, every weird <laughs> thing happening. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's just anime. Like, that's just normal. She's carrying a giant weapon around all the time. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward anime bullshit to me. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, so fun so far. And, like, it's got gore. It's, like, it's got horror aspects, but it's definitely, like, a dark, it's, like, a pitch black, like, comedy more than horror I would call it. Which I like, though. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's just... It's a good time. I'm gonna get you an anime. It's working.
2: (laughs) Just need time.
1: And, like, Purpurina just said, I think there's something to be said about risks that are taken in other cultures' media media compared to our relatively safe shit. And, like, I agree with that. Like, anime is Mm -hmm. always doing the weird, like, weird shit. Like... And mm-hmm. it, animation in general can just gives you. I've talked about this a million times. I just love the flexibility animation gives you, especially in horror, in terms of like body horror and what you can do to the body and like physics, like actual human physics don't matter, and things can be like super crazy cool. And I think, it, particularly in Japan, a lot of their animation is just like they value animation so much more highly than here. So there's so you much need to pay more. Them more though. Oh god, oh, that's a whole other conversation that we I don't have time to go into about the issue like working issues with anime and manga artists in Japan. That is a horrible situation and people have died. And I'm not kidding, like a lot of people have died from how stressed out and like fucked up that industry is. Um, but I mean like great, everyone works under terrible conditions. Isn't that fun? Isn't capitalism great? But what I'm trying to say here is that animation from Japan is really fucking gorgeous, and you should watch more of it if you can. People, I again, I'm on my high horse, but people I feel like, like ugh, anime, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Don't say that. Like, there's such cool stuff happening in anime. And I think it has, like, not as much, I don't think, but just like the weird reputation people have with it. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's some of it's true, but like, you're also just missing out on some really cool stuff if you're thinking it you're also then you're also mistake reborn as a vending machine now i wander of a dungeon you know like there's like push and pull <laughs> here like there's push and pull <laughs> duality of anime come on
2: duality <laughs> of anime which is yeah, okay, like so it's really kid. funny because like before we started recording i was on i was on tiktok and i started seeing people blind react to something called mignon or, like, Flamé F- 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 Mignon. And apparently it is a, a boy love anime oh. that has been released in five-minute increments, so it's only, like, an hour and seven minutes long. On It's on Vimeo. So I added it to my Vimeo watch list because <laughs> the reactions of people watching this were, um... Wait, what is it called? Mignon, like filet F- F- Mignon. Oh, like filet Mignon. And it's new. I think it's, like, just came out. Is it, out is it's it gay? Like, oh, it's boy love. It's 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 oh it's like (gasps)
0: yeah
2: which normally isn't like my thing because they're usually very like twinky, but i'm willing to to give it a shot
1: oh boy oh no oh is this about to become something that i am unfortunately obsessed with because that's (laughs) gonna really be an issue for me I just pulled up the teaser and I'm like, this is Marybeth's stupid brand of weird shit. I'm going to have to sit.
2: If I could find the TikToks, I'm going to have to send it because people are like, literally like you hear the sounds and it's like, uh, what is happening? <laughs> oh,
1: You have to pay a dollar for it. I guess I'll pay for the gay shit. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I'll pay for weird animated content. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll pay for gay shit oh no god damn it terry you might have caused an issue with marybeth watching gay boys as vampires making out in the rainy streets of tokyo fuck all right Yep. um yep i'll be watching sick. it i know next I week next week we're just gonna be like all right so we watched pornography let's talk about it <laughs> Oh man, they really are just showing it all. All right, good yeah, for them. I watched yeah. the teaser and I was like, "Oh, they're they're tongue. There's got the tongue and the mouth. Wow, Mignon, <laughs> what a great name." Anyway, um, on that beautiful, <laughs> on beautiful that wonderful note,
2: note, um, who are we chatting with on Monday, Mary Beth? We haven't recorded with him yet, but who are we chatting with?
1: Uh, we are chatting with Creator Mignon. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are chatting with. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are chatting with Aaron Mark, the showrunner and the creator of the horror of Dolores Roach, and he brought with him 1982's film, the 1982 film Death Trap. Uh, we're recording with him tomorrow. It's Wednesday. We're recording this, so we'll have this recorded. Um, we're so excited. I, if you haven't watched the horror of Dolores Roach yet on Prime Video, please do. It is queer, Latina, stoner, Sweeney Todd. And also about gentrification and the industrial prison complex. And it's just very smart and very good and very fun. And uh, Justine Machado, who plays Dolores Roach, is iconic. And it's just a real good show. And so we're really excited to talk to Aaron about it.
2: And if you have not seen Death Trap, watch it this weekend. Which it I have
1: not.
2: <laughs> phenomenal. It's based on a play written by Ira Levin, who wrote Rosemary's Baby. Wait! The book. Who wrote really? *Stepford Wives*? The book, yes, and it is. I don't look up anything about it. Go in blind. It is. It's great. Christopher Reeves, Michael Caine. Great. Michael Kyle. It is. Michael it is a fantastic. Kyle. I've. I can't remember if I've seen the movie. I've seen the play, and I'm going to talk about this. A lot, but it is. And Aaron is
1: up. like. A theater dude. So y'all will have a good time because Aaron's background wait. is in the theater. So I'm just going to watch you two theater dorks nerd out. It's going to be really fun. I'm very excited.
2: It's going to be great. It's going to be I fun didn't realize
1: Michael Caine was in this. Oh yeah. Michael Caine and Christopher
2: Reeve. Don't look up anything. Don't look no, up I anything. No, I literally just have it up to
1: watch. It's literally just the cast <laughs> okay. list on okay. YouTube. Holy shit.
2: Let me tell you how interesting it is for a 1982 movie. I just cannot wait. It is okay.
1: I'm it's very excited. Okay, cool. I'm not looking anything up. I just I pulled. It's free on YouTube, so I just pulled it up. It's okay, Terry. I'm not doing. Terry, stop yelling at me. Don't Terry, stop yelling at God me. Damn it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god well, seriously
2: i wanted to reach the screen they're like no put my hands in front of I, the screen don't look up it i know
1: fruggy. yeah if you are listening to this not watching terry you almost have to grab my fucking pigtails through the computer I I and like, no! smash my head i know it was really scary it was like poltergeist it was really weird um <laughs> well listeners there on that incredible you. note you heard from us us we want to hear from you there we go um did you watch or read something that we covered this week and have thoughts do you have should is there something that we should be watching have we missed that we should be on our radar you can let us know at scarred for life podcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on twitter i am at mb mcganders
2: and i'm a gaily dreadful
1: and of course don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast
2: And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe and help support us on Patreon. We will be bringing that back very soon. But also, um, in addition to following us on Twitter and stuff, um, Scarred for Life podcast and both of us are on Blue Sky. So if you are on there, also follow us there. um, Because who knows what will happen with Twitter? You never know anymore. It's a roll of the dice.
1: It really is. And we're also Scarred Scarred for Life podcast on Instagram, if you are so inclined to follow us on Instagram. Um, But thank you to Eric Power for, excuse me, our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy.
2: And until next time. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break. The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine. Or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. But cactus
0: could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratchers from the California Lottery, a little play can make a day.